This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teacher Eyes Podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As Podcast will highlight innovative practices and uncommon parallels in education. In this Zooming In episode, I interview Mike Earnshaw. He's a principal and co-host of a podcast called Punk Rock Classrooms. You should check it out. So what I'm Zooming In on in this interview is Punk Rock Parallels. Make sure to check out Season 1, Episode 16, Teacher as Punk Rocker with Nancy Burrell, if you want to hear more about Punk Rock Parallels. Enjoy. Welcome, Mike, to the Teacher As Podcast. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Really excited to, to have you on. We wanted to have your buddy on as well from the Punk Rock Classroom Podcast, but hopefully he'll be on another time. Could you just tell the Teacher As listeners a little bit about you and maybe even I'm going to request a little bit about the podcast as well? Yeah, sure. So first off, um, I'm a a father, so you may hear my kids screaming in the background, even though I'm in a separate (laughs) room. They're extremely loud. They're 11 and 8 years old. But uh, I am a elementary school principal. I have been at my my building for, this is my seventh or eighth year. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I don't really do counts, but I know it's around seven or eight. Um, before that, I was a middle school assistant principal in the same district that I'm in now. And then before that, I spent you know about almost 15 years as a middle school ELA uh, teacher, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Everyone always asks, you know, how do you make, how'd you make the transition from the classroom to uh, being an administrator? And I never wanted to be an administrator, like ever. But I remember I got. I was getting married. And I was chaperoning, so I was a single guy at the time, and I was chaperoning a basketball game. And I was talking to my principal and assistant principal, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go back to school for my master's." Like, "Oh, what are you going to go for?" I'm like, "I don't know, something with English, you know, or curriculum." And they they both kind of looked at each other, like, "No, you need to go for administration." And I kind of laughed at them, you know. I was like, "No, that's that's totally not me." Like, I grew up as a you know punk rocker, you know, fight the man. Like, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm just going to kind of do my thing in the classroom and impact my kids that way. And they're like, no, you've got qualities that would make you a great administrator. And plus, even if you choose not to go that route, it's going to open more doors in the long run for things you can do with uh, an administrative master. So I was so I was like, all right, you know, so I got married and I started the classes and I, I fell in love with it right away, just in my coursework. And um, so that's kind of the route I, I took to do this. So like I said, I've been a principal for eight years. So I'm in uh, Lansing, Illinois. It's uh, my school is called Oak Glen Elementary School. Uh, it's uh, District uh, 158, and it's right. It's interesting because it's we're like the south side of Chicago, but not like so we're not Chicago like boundaries. So we're not part of like the whole CPS system, but um, it is like the south suburbs of Chicago. Like we are the last town before you cross the border into Indiana. So I actually live in Indiana. Property taxes are way cheaper in Indiana. So, uh, <laughs> so, so when we got married, it was like a no brainer. Like, and after I lived, you know, after we lived in Indiana for a couple of years, my wife and I said, like, yeah, we're not, we can never move back there. But it's interesting because I see the things that our district does, especially with the climate right now with the pandemic going on. But then because I live in Indiana and my kids go to an Indiana school, there's, there's differences. And it's, it's interesting because literally like my, it takes me, it could take me seven minutes to get to work from my house. 
and it's two different states. So it's just interesting with how close we are, how there's some big differences in, you know, what, you know, initiatives and laws and things like that. So it's fascinating state to state. Yeah, it, it is. And and my wife will ask me sometimes like, well, can they do this? I'm like, well, I don't know. In Illinois, we, <laughs> Illinois, we can't. I mean, Indiana is completely different. They might be able to get away with it. So. Right. What's your favorite uh, part about being a principal? My favorite part has got to be just making a difference in in others' lives because it's. I know it's cliche, you know, and they say when you become an administrator, you know, you impact more than the 20, 30 kids in your classroom, but it's so true. And you don't just impact kids. Like, I truly feel like I have a huge impact on the staff, on our families, uh, the community, like there's all these different, you know, stakeholder groups that I get to be a part of. I'm not saying teachers don't, but I feel like I do have a much larger area or, or PLN and, and impact on those other groups. And I mean, one of my favorite things to do is just empower and make a difference in teachers' lives because then I know that they're taking that back to their classrooms and they're the ones that are impacting the kids. And in a way, you know, I obviously had a, a, a say in that. I mean, that's that's why when kids are in school or even now we're fully remote, you know, our teachers are at home, our kids are at home. My days are spent like I'm I'm in the classroom. So even when we had kids in school, I was sitting in the back or sitting in the middle. I'd find an empty desk and I would just sit down and Sometimes I'm doing, I bring my computer with and I was getting work done that I need to get done, but I'm still there, like knowing what's going on and talking with them. Now I hop on the, you know, uh, Microsoft Teams lessons and, you know, the kids are like, oh, Mr. Earnshaw's here and they'll see me in my little square in the bottom and just knowing what's going on and being a part of it. I think that's, that's the best part. In my first couple of years as a principal, I wasn't doing that. And I, I was in that stereotypical mindset where, I need to sit in my office and answer my phone and answer emails and I'll do a lap around the building at 10 o'clock to check on everyone. Maybe I stop in the lunchroom and I hated it. And I was like, look, there's no way I can do another 30, 35 years of this. I was like, I got to get back to what, when I taught, I loved it. And we were just so, it was a whole like kind of family feel. I know that sounds cliche as well, but like a family feel in my classroom where we trusted each other, we respected each other but we held each other accountable and pushed each other. And I was like, I need to do that with being a principal. So that's kind of how I got to get out of my office, you know, write, wrote a whole book on, you know, things to build school culture and climate. So I think that's, that's kind of like my passions, you know, to answer your question, long winded, but, you know, just cult, the culture and climate of schools and the school community as a whole is, is what I love the most about it. How does your passion for punk rock help you in all of that? How did it help you with teaching? How did it help you as a principal? How does it help you in assessing teachers? How does it help you in working with parents? There's so many things that I know you've made parallels on on your podcast, which I'm sure you'll talk about. Right. Growing up, I was always a huge you know mu- music fan. Like music was something I found like in fourth fourth fifth grade that. I, I would just get lost in the lyrics and listening and just it kind of like transported me to a, another place. Like it took away any stresses and frustrations I had. And then as I got older, I had been skateboarding since I, I can't even remember first grade, second grade. Um, so when I got a little older in middle school, I kind of found punk rock. And 
at the time, punk rock was, you know, in the, in the 90s, it was kind of starting to, to gain some mainstream success with bands like Green Day and Offspring, but it still was kind of frowned upon. It wasn't totally accepted. And you know, I kind of learned like these, these ethos, and there's things that Josh and I talk about on, the, on the, our podcast, the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, is passion, unity, and DIY. And that's kind of like the three tenets that we focus on for our podcast and kind of how I view myself as a, a educational leader, you know, your passions, they make you who you are. And when I first became a principal, I was kind of hiding some of that. Like I wasn't very open about my whole choice and what I like to listen to. I wasn't very open that, you know, I, I like to skateboard and still do um, because I was like, oh, I'm the principal. I, I have to be professional in a shirt and tie every day. And then a couple of years ago when I kind of broke out of that and I was like, I'm just going to be me. And I started riding around on a skateboard and I started incorporating more jeans days and wearing hoodies and just being there in the classrooms every day, sharing things that I was interested in and talking about music with kids and, and staff. And they kind of see you as a person and they know, all right, he's, he's really here for us. So then when it's time to do quote unquote, the work, like, all right, what can we do to help raise these test scores or get these kids attendance rates to go up, or let's focus on lunchroom behavior. They know that you're there, at least for me, like I'm there for the right reasons. We talk a lot about unity, which it, growing up in the, in the punk rock scene, a lot of it was we, we had to do things ourselves. The internet wasn't really around yet. Um, not to the extent it is now. So like getting bands to play shows and creating flyers or creating our own demo tapes. Um, it, it, you relied on people you knew and like a skill set they have. So I try to tell the staff all the time, like we don't need all these fancy programs that are out there and all the things that, you know, the salesmen are trying to push and textbook companies. Yeah. Some of the stuff's great, but just good, impactful, like teaching. I mean, the reason we're here is to, to change kids' lives. We've got everything we need. You've got an expert down the hall from you. And if you don't, hop on social media because someone out there can do or has done what you want to do. That's interesting. You, you're putting that under unity. It's also under do-it-yourself. I love that. Yeah, because then it, it, that's the thing. These three all tie together. And it's funny because I feel like when Josh and I record, when we do an episode, I'm always like, Josh, it all comes back to relationships and it all comes back. But, but it, those three things, it's secular. They all go together. And then DIY, do it yourself. You know, like there, there's just something about knowing you put in the work, you've, you've created this thing. And, and I just love when you see a teacher and the students create something together whether it's, you know, uh, uh, their own podcast or, um, you know, a reader's theater um, or whatever it is, but just there's something so you, you love about it. I mean, I'd rather go to a show in a basement with, you know, one little light hanging from the ceiling than spend $300 on a ticket to some stadium show at pyrotechnics. Because when you, you kind of have that DIY and that, just that passion there, it's, there's something that's re- way more impactful. It's real. Like there's something organic about it, you know? Yes. And I think it, it, it totally translates into to education. I mean, I feel that I would not have been as successful as I have been. I feel our, our building, our kids, um, our staff, our parents, you know, we wouldn't have such this collaborative, like truly like we're in this together um, mentality if it if it wasn't for me growing up in that, having those 
those three tenants and kind of sharing that, like who I am and my background with, with everybody. That's very cool. So as a teacher, um, day to day, how did that, how did this, these three tenants help you? You know, before there was flexible seating, I was, I was made, we were making our own flexible seating. Like I didn't have a seating chart, you know, we didn't have desks in straight rows, you know, kids were underneath my counter and we could read a piece together independently, but then have like those, those conversations where you're just open and you're being yourself. And it was like a risk-free environment. And and all it all stemmed from like kind of building that. Cause when I taught, I was open with my kids. You know, they they knew everything about me, school appropriate about me. But you know, they knew about they knew about my my wife and when I my kids were first born and they knew that I, you know, they knew I skateboarded. I mean, I used to bring the skateboard to school and they knew everything about me, my passions, when I would go to the movies, you know, I would tell them about my weekends. And that really helped to build like that bond that they knew because the kids would tell me, you know, like, there's just something about you. We know that you respect us and we know, we know how far we can take things and what we can get away with. And we know when it's time to work with you. And to me, that said a lot, like, we don't, as educators, whether you're a teacher or a paraprofessional, we don't have to put like this wall up, like I'm up here on the stage and you're down there and you need, we're all in this together. I learned more from those kids when I taught than I think they probably learned from me the the two or three years they had me because I, I was a, a looping teacher. So I'd have them for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Oh. So, and it, it wasn't always like that though. Like that was my last couple of years. But before that, like it was um, before we had a principal who wanted to take the risk and do that looping grade. Um, I mean, I would have kids come back and say like, oh, you, I wish I had you for eighth grade, you know, and it always comes to me, everything comes back to relationships and just having that open trusting, like the kids know that I'm there for them and I'm going to push them because I know they can do better than maybe what they think of themselves sometimes. High expectations and an open classroom. Yep. That sounds amazing. When you were teaching, were there certain strategies or certain, you know, project-based learning, certain things that you found were like, especially reminding you of your punk rock days, like a mosh pit. <laughs> Are any of those parallels in teaching with strategies that you used in the classroom? You know, yeah, there's, there's a couple. I'll, I'll talk about two. I'll try to be brief about them. Um, one of them, when you, when you speak of the mosh pit, you know, if no one's ever seen one or been in one, you know, what it is, <laughs> is you got, it looks like chaos, but it's really not. Josh and I have touched on this on a couple episodes. You know, when you have a mosh pit, there's a very like formulaic process to it where, you know, if someone falls, there's going to be five, six hands that grab them and pick them up because we don't want anyone to get hurt. We don't want to leave anyone behind. We don't want anyone to get trampled. You've got people on the outside of the pit who are kind of serving as a barrier to keep that protection. And, um, you know, the people people in the pit kind of know the, you, you could call them norms. Like when we go to a PL, PLC meeting, we have our norms set up. There's just certain norms, you know, it's not a violent, aggressive out to hurt people, you know, it's just to let your, for kids to get their, their energy out. So I remember doing a project, the guy across the hall from me, he was on the same team as me, him and I were going to school together to become, to get our, our administrative degrees. And one of the projects was you, you had to observe, you had to do a classroom observation. So him and our principal came in and sat down and they did a mock observation on me. 
And the, the lesson I was doing was the kids had to take, I brought in all these newspapers and I, I, we were learning, I can't remember, we were learning about verbs or nouns or some, something. It was something bland in language arts, you know? And I was like, I got to make this fun. So they had to cut out, they were making like ransom notes and cutting out pieces of the newspaper <laughs> to, to, form, to form a ransom note. But they had, you know, there were certain criteria, like you need so many action verbs and you need so many possessive nouns. And the thing was though, it, it, my principal always said this, my room was like controlled chaos. He's like, cause it would look like the kids are just sitting around talking, cutting things. There's paper everywhere. There's glue. He says, but the kids are in there. He goes, and they're reading the newspaper. And then the, he's like, they were having discussions about the current events that are in the paper, which I'm not going to lie. I didn't even plan for that to happen. That just happened. And I was, and I took it as a bonus, right? I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. That was my goal. He's like, but they're talking about current events. They're collaborating and they're still getting your content done, but they're having fun doing it. And at the end of the day, like you had all these notes that then we posted around the classroom and, you know, it, it's, it, it had all these aspects to it, but to anyone walking by, because teachers would tell me that all the time, like, oh, I have to shut my door because your room's so loud and what are you even doing? <laughs> well, we're, we're learning, like, look at your kids. You're getting mad at the three kids in the back. You got their head down or asleep. And like, no, like I can't sit still. Like I've got undiagnosed ADHD. Like I need to be up and moving and let's, let's have fun, you know? And um, so that kind of reminds me like the monster, like the controlled chaos. There was a whole process to what we were doing. And to somebody from the outside, it might look like that's not a good place to go, but it really was. And then just another thing about about being yourself and punk rock bands would think outside the box and be who they were, regardless of what other people thought. And I remember where I was teaching, you know, it was persuasive writing, argumentative writing, whatever they want to call it nowadays. But it was junior high kids, and I brought in, you know, the story, the true story of the three little pigs. Oh, I love that book. Yes, everyone knows the story of the little pigs. So I brought this in and I read that to them. So then what we did, we set up a mock courtroom and the kids came in and as they came in, I passed out an index card and you're a juror, you're the defendant, you are the stenographer, you're the guy who sits in the back and draws the cartoon drawing of the court. And I gave all these people roles and then the whole lesson was we're going to have an argument, we're going to have a court hearing is the pig guilty or are the pigs guilty or is the wolf guilty? Like who, who's the real culprit here? And it was so interesting because I did that with my um, three classes that day. And I was fortunate enough being an ELA teacher, you know, I had a double block. So the kids were with me twice as long as they were for science or social studies. It was so interesting because one class, you know, um, I would take the jurors into the teacher's lounge, which really annoyed my colleagues that day because they would come in for lunch or copies. And here <laughs> I am sitting there with, you know, 10 kids trying to decide if the pigs, the pigs are lying or the wolf's lying. My administrators completely supported this because they even came in and served on the jury for one of the classes. Each class had a different outcome. It was, and it was just so cool to see, to teach them all right, this is when we are going to do an argumentative or persuasive piece of writing, you've got to look at both sides. You can't just have tunnel vision and think your way is right. And just thinking outside the box and trying something new and in punk rock, like, you know, 
bands would would always say that with the new record like hey we tried something new we're doing this and it's all about you know trying things if it fails well all right you pick yourself up and try again and hopefully you have some fun along the way could you give us a quick version of how you and josh met and how you decided to start your podcast yeah i love actually love this story i'm glad you asked so josh and i met on um a Thursday night, it was a mastery chat. You know, the Teach Better team has been doing mastery chat um, before I even was on Twitter. I had actually put out a blog. I I was, I had gotten out of my comfort zone. I was sharing blogs and it was Josh's first Twitter chat ever. And it was, it was ironic because there was a question and I don't even remember the question, but I know I, I, provided my answer. And I said, it's, I go, I just wrote this blog on this topic. And like during the chat, I see a tweet from Josh and he's like, oh my God, he just, he just referenced sick of it all, which is a hardcore band from New York. (laughs) He's like, he just referenced sick of it all in an education blog. And then, so him and I started talking and it was funny because he's like, I think we're best friends. And so then him and I just kind of, we kept the conversation going we set up uh, a, a one day we talked on the phone and uh, he was like, you know, he's like, we should, we, have you ever thought about doing like a podcast? I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to Josh, but I have no idea of where to even start. Like I know there's platforms and stuff. He was like, I run a comic book podcast and I would love to do it if you'd be down. So him and I um, took a, this was like, cause we just hit, we've been, we've been doing this for a little over a year now. So um, we took that summer to uh, kind of talk about some ideas we had. And the goal at first, like we just wanted to have fun and we were doing an episode like every other week. Then we started to get people who seemed interested in what we were saying. And, uh, you know, from there, it's just, you know, we, we uh, decided that we got introduced to Voxer, which has made our conversation so much easier to talk um, rather than like a text or a phone call every day. We can just send a a voice message each other and listen to it. Yeah, so we got we got a lot of good plans for it. Um, we're just trying to expand on it and build on it. And, and uh, I don't want to say we didn't take it seriously before, but like we've got more of a kind of like a vision of what we'd like to see with it. You know, we started incorporating guests recently, trying to just do some other things. You know, we launched a website, uh, I don't know, say six, seven months ago and started, you know, putting blogs up on there. So it just, if it wasn't for, honestly, if it wasn't for social media and Twitter and that mastery chat, we, we, you and I probably wouldn't be talking right now. No, we wouldn't be. <laughs> we wouldn't be. Yeah, I was going to say the power of Twitter. Teachers want to connect and have real PD. Twitter really right now is, I think, number one for me. Hands down. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have a question and I, I'll never forget this. There was, a, I don't remember the man's name, but he wrote a whole bunch of really great books about how to make grammar and writing more interesting, like the actual, like teaching how to edit yeah. type of thing. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder if he does it this way. Cause I was reading his book. So I went, I'm like, I, maybe he's on Twitter. I went on Twitter. Boom. There he was. I was able to message him. And within 10 minutes, the author of that book. That's so awesome. Had, had, had answered my question. That's awesome. I'm like, okay, now I get how Twitter works. This is incredible. Josh obviously is not living in the same area you're living in. So you are all, it's all technology for you in order to do this. It's not like you can go over to each other's houses 
Right. We, it's interesting because um, I've had some of, of my staff even ask me, they're like, oh, you've never met him in person? I go, no. We always see each other on Zoom when we record. You know, we, uh, we try to do like, you know, monthly, w- once or twice a month, like just kind of like a collaboration, like meeting. I mean, we, we talk every day on Voxer, but yeah, we've never met face to face. And you know, we actually were going to, it's, um, you know, I was, I was fortunate to present at, in Ohio at Teach Better 19, the podcast. I think we literally had like two episodes out of that point. And so for Teach Better 20, we were asked, Josh Stamper had asked us because he was in charge, or no, Hans Apple was in charge of uh, Podcasters Row. And he asked, hey, would Punk Rock Classrooms be interested in coming and being part of the Podcasters Row? You know, you can do some live recordings there, interview people. Uh, They wanted to do some kind of presentations on like what podcasting is. And for me, it's a five-hour drive. I drove it last year. And for him, it's more, he would have to fly out. He's in Arizona. And he was all for it. And he's like, that weekend works for me. And then like, it was one of those things, like we knew it was coming, but we were just kind of keeping our fingers crossed. And then when we got the email, like it was canceled. So, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll meet face to face one day. It'll happen. Yes. It'll happen. It'll be amazing when you guys finally meet. So what are you zooming in on right now, either with the podcast or with your career as principal? What are you zooming in on right now? Zooming in. Well, for the podcast, um, you know, we like to say it's season two. We never really took a break. We still put stuff out over the summer. We thought it was important to kind of keep content going. So the first season, we kind of focus on those three tenets I talked about, passion, unity, and DIY. We were drawing connections to education to that. This second season, we're, at, we're doing a lot more um, guest appearances. And when it's just Josh and I, we're trying to focus on like more of um more topics, you know, so we kind of tackled um, professional development. So like looking at professional development through the lens of these punk rock uh, ethos. And we've talked about assessment with Dave Schmidto. And so we're trying to focus more on specific gear towards specific topics. We like to say like season one was kind of like the intro of a book. And now we're like, all right, you know, it's in practice to certain things in education. Professionally, you know, uh, I have a book coming out probably late spring, early summer um, with EduMatch Publishing. Um, so I, I submitted my final manuscript a couple months back. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting to get some, uh, I'm kind of on vacation now because I know once the edits come in, I'll have some work to do. Oh yeah. After <laughs> after they kind of give me their their suggestions. But yeah, my book will be published. So I got it. I'm signed with EduMatch. I got a contract. Um, but like I said, right now it's just in the editing stages. So I'm waiting to get my edits back. It's tentatively titled the Educulture Cookbook. And what I've kind of done is I've taken um, just things that I've done at our school that have just improved the culture and climate for the positive. And everything in there, it's not for administrators to do with their staff. I mean, the way I wrote it is everything I've done, and this is just how I lead my staff. I, I want, whether you're a teacher, a paraprofessional, an administrator at any level, you could read a chapter and literally take it and put it into practice the next day with your students, with your staff, that punk rock mentality. Like you don't need all the fancy stuff. Like you can do this tomorrow. And I think that's one of the most important things with like PD and books, like as educators, we want to be able, like, we don't want to have to wait and prepare three months to do something. So I'm super excited for that to come out, hopefully late spring, early summer. And then uh, just in my professional role, just trying to be there for my staff and students. And 
I'm not going to lie. Like this year has been extremely hard for me. My whole kind of life has revolved around being in the classrooms and talking face to face and hanging out with people. And virtually it's very, it's very hard. Like it's, you know, like if I want to talk to a certain staff member, like I have to schedule a meeting time and, you know, it's, I miss being able to just to skate into their room and like, Hey, you got a minute. Can we talk? So I'm just working on trying to be there for them and just support the teachers because right now, like, I don't care what anyone says, like the teachers are working harder than they ever have before, harder than they probably ever will. And I couldn't imagine being a classroom teacher right now. Hopefully they know that I'm there for them and I'm, I'm just trying to support them as best as I can. Yes. Are, are the kids in at all? Do you have like a hybrid or is it all remote? No, it's all remote. So our kids in my district, they have not been in school since March. Oh, yeah. We're hoping um, when we return, maybe like February 1st, but who who knows? Like in our area, the Chicago land, it's horrible right now. So here's the most important question. You ready? Uh-oh. Yeah. What's your favorite movie and why? Ooh. <laughs> my favorite movie i'm a movie fan you're you're a punk rock fan i'm a movie right fan. <laughs> right you know i gotta say i'm probably gonna say fight club <laughs> now let me explain why and it's it's funny you asked me that so fight club is one of the things where i love the movie i love the book the book is the only book that and i i just put a tweet out last night of this it's funny that you asked this the book is the only book that I can ever go back and reread. Like once I read a book, I'm kind of done with it. I read Fight Club at least once a year, usually twice a year. And I feel, and especially when I watch the movie, like it doesn't matter to me. Like I can never say the movie or the book's better. You know, like I, I love them both. There, I just feel there's so many parallels from that story to life. And there's so many things that like every time I watch it, the movie, there's something new that I find that I'm like, oh my God, that relates so much to this, or this is what's going on in my life. And I just feel there's, there's, there's just so many connections. It's not just entertaining. It's, I've actually thought about trying to write something of, uh, comparing it to, you know, education or something like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, there's, there's so much I learned from it every time I watch that movie or or read the book. So that's such a great movie. I hope you write that article or that essay about it. It's like my thing with Jaws. There's so many parallels in Jaws to teamwork and education and (laughs) nice and understanding each other's differences and still working together. And yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. So much. So, I mean, I, I, it's, it's another whole podcast I could do about movies, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So Fight Club. Wow. Great choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, nice. how could people reach you and check out the podcast? And so um, on Twitter, which is my main social media site, um, but Twitter and Instagram, I have this exact same handle. It's at Mike R Earnshaw. Um, you can find, you can also find on Twitter and Instagram at punk classrooms. And then we have the website punkrockclassrooms.com. But if you go to the Twitter, you'll be able to find everything else from there. And, you know, I'm on Voxer. Uh, I think my Voxer handle, uh, is punk rock principal, all one word. 
but some people said you got to search Mike Earnshaw and Michael Earnshaw, but there's a picture of me holding my skateboard on. If you want to find me on Voxer and throw some there, but you know, find me on Twitter and then uh, DM me and then we'll hook up on Voxer. So thank you so much for taking, I know you're very, very busy and it took a while to actually get this interview done because just the busyness. So I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to me. I appreciate your flexibility and allowing me to get back on. So thank you. It was a great time. I loved it. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming In on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.